Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall and um. I will have to say I'm very thankful to be joining you today. I hope that you can hear me. And if you have any challenges hearing me, please go ahead and let me know. So today I am by myself. My co-host Bruce Weiner is not able to join me today. His wife had some health complications and is planning to be going back for surgery today. And so it will be myself. Uh, my my son, Eli, might be joining me as well. He's a little young to co-host, but he might be joining the show today. And I am going to be talking about our new book, which is live and available for purchase on Amazon. So today we're talking about Seven Generations Legacy, Design a Multi-Generational Legacy of More Than Money. And I'm going to kick us off today by really asking you a question. And that question really boils down to, what is it that is important to you to leave past your life? Have you ever asked yourself or leaned into the question of what am I leaving behind for my kids? What is my legacy going to look like? How do I make sure my kids are protected? How do I make sure that they have whatever they need to prosper? How do I make sure that my life and my values and the meaning that I want to infuse into them is something that will not only resonate with them and bless them for the rest of their life, but will also continue on for generations to come. And today we are going to be answering that question and talking about this book and why I wrote this book, why my husband Lucas is listed as a co-author on the book or as a contributor of the book because he put so much into that as well. And really what we hope that this will accomplish and do for you, what questions it will solve or answer, what things it will help you to be able to accomplish in your life that you maybe didn't see the way to do otherwise. And so I'm excited to talk with you about this today. And if you're joining me, I'm not sure all of my um, technical stuff in the background here is working accurately. So I'm going to ask you a question and hopefully I will see your responses as you're chiming in. But I'm not sure that I will because it appears that I'm not having that capacity. I would really love to know if you have, well, first, just where are you listening from? This episode today is going to be a little bit unique because usually Bruce and I and sometimes a guest that we have join us We'll have a live conversation, and that goes out to the airwaves. We have um, YouTube. We have that broadcast live on Facebook and LinkedIn. And then we usually, Eli's talking in the background. He'd like to say something. Um, and usually then that goes out to the podcast several weeks later because we have a lot of content that we have um, published ahead. And so our content published schedule is a little bit behind. But this week, we're actually going to release this episode on the podcast as well right away because this is a really exciting week. We're in what you call pre-sales for this book, Seven Generations Legacy. And so it's on Amazon right now. The link 
to purchase is in the show notes, and you should be able to see that from wherever you are watching this live. And so we're going to have a little bit of dialogue, hopefully, and interaction on this live stream. And then also, if you're listening on the podcast after this episode is live, you should be able to hear this as well. If you listen right away when it comes out, this will also be available to you. The offer that we're going to share with you at the end of the show today, the great things that you can get, a free bonus, and all of the stuff that we're adding in if you buy during pre-sales this week before December 9th, 2023. Now, not to worry, because if you are listening after that date, December 9th, 2023, if you happen to be listening a year from now or three years from now and wonder if those bonuses are still available, they'll not be available in the same way as they are during pre-sales, but you can still buy the book. The link should still work. And you can always reach out to us for more information. And we have lots of tools and courses and mini trainings and tools that will be available to you to help you do this work. So with that being said, I'm going to try to log back into my platform where I can see people commenting in. So Mark, thank you for saying that you are listening from Plainview, Texas. That's great. So I can see um, if you are live and that makes me really excited. So um, if you, I may not see all of the platforms as well. I know we have people on Facebook and some on YouTube and some on LinkedIn. And then later we'll be hearing from anyone who is on the podcast platform. So that's Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify and all of those channels. All right, we're back, I believe. My goodness. All right. So I am with you today. I don't know what happened. I'm hoping that you can still see me. It says that we're live. If you are watching live, I'd love to just have you say, yes, I can hear you. That would be fantastic. I know we're recording and it shows that I'm live as well. So just going to go ahead and roll with it. Hopefully you can hear me. So I want to share with you a little bit about this book and give you a sneak peek. First, let's just go ahead and dive into what questions this helps to answer for you. And I'm getting a comment. Thank you. Um, Mark can see and hear you. Fabulous. Okay. My Zoom timed out for a second and everything went black. So I'm back. Thank you. Um, so if you have ever um, really leaned into the question of saying, you know, what's going to happen to my kids if something happens to me? That is what this book is really all about answering. Um, we really wanted to lean into helping you as a parent be able to not only leave an inheritance and leave a financial gift for your family, your children, but also make sure that they're going to use it well. Because there's a question that my husband and I really were confronted with about four and a half years ago. And it was, what if something did happen to us? Would the tools and the plan and the strategy that we had put in place, would that be sufficient? Would it accomplish the goals that we had for our family? And the answer really was no. And I'm going to tell you a minute, in a minute, the story that led up to that question. But this question really of what happens to my kids if something happens to me was something that we really leaned into. And instead of running away from that question and brushing it off or putting aside those concerns and thoughts and feelings. We really said we need to have an actual answer to this and we need to be able to lay out what it means 
to give our kids the tools and wisdom and the knowledge and the financial resources that they need to succeed. So how can we, we really leaned into not just how do we help our kids to flourish and thrive, but how do we create generational wealth and a legacy that lasts far beyond us? And so this book, Seven Generations Legacy, will help you to create a multi-generational legacy of more than money and to do that without stress, without overwhelm, and without this feeling that you just have to give everything away. So let's jump into the story because we've been hinting at this for years. Little snippets and pieces of this story and the fact that we're writing a book have come up several times on the podcast. And um, oh, also, thank you. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Javar Tanian. Thank you. You said yes, I can hear you. Thank you for joining in today. So here was our story. About four and a half years ago, I delivered our second daughter and I experienced personally some extremely severe acute health complications. I found myself, um, first the placenta would not detach. And if you have delivered a baby before, this may not even have been a thought or concern. Most of the time you have that third stage of labor and there's really no challenges with that. But for some reason, there was a huge challenge with me. And so there was a lot of wondering what to do, trying to remove my placenta in the delivery room. And finally, they took me back for surgery and surgically removed my placenta, which is you know what provides that life and nourishment to the baby while they're in utero that you no longer need and needs to expel properly after birth. So I was in surgery and... They took me out of the room about 10.45. It had been about an hour since I delivered our daughter. And so they'd been trying to remove the placenta for an hour and take me back for emergency surgery. I see the time. It's about 10.45 on the clock. And then I don't really remember anything else. I do have this fuzzy recollection of seeing the inside of the surgery room and all the surgical steel and feeling like, I mean, I guess everything's a little distorted when you're under anesthesia, but this feeling that they were asking me to move myself from the hospital bed into onto this like really skinny, narrow beam that to me in the moment seemed about six inches wide that they wanted me to get myself onto this table. And that's the last I remember for about four hours. And four hours later, I'm waking up, I'm seeing the clock, I see a bunch of faces all around me. And I am just washed over with this feeling that God is so, so good. And I'm so thankful to be alive. And all these people here were fighting for my life. And Lucas must be really worried. I'm seeing the clock and I'm realizing, oh my goodness, this is probably 2.30 in the morning. I see it's 2.30 on the clock. I'm trying to get my bearings and figure out what time it is. And I realize it's been four hours since he last saw me in the hospital room. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what just happened? And so I'm piecing together the story. And I found out that during surgery, I began to hemorrhage and I lost at least two liters of blood and they were transfusing blood and trying to replenish what I was losing, but it was just flowing out just as quickly as they were trying to put it back in. And um, they said that then I went into something called DIC. I didn't understand what that meant at the time, but they said, Rachel, you were really near to not making it. And so when somebody comes into that severe of a crisis. It's a, a complication of platelets um, due to the um, the surgery and the birth. Um, I'm not saying the right medical technology or terminology, but 
the complications of delivery and everything that happened, the platelets stopped clotting properly. And because of that, it was life-threatening. And they said they ended up transfusing eight units of blood, which I researched later and found out that was nearly all of the blood in my body had been replaced. And after surgery, I fell unconscious and was unconscious for 45 minutes in ICU while they were waiting and wondering, was this transfusion going to work? That's the only thing they could do. And my husband, Lucas, is getting these notifications first of, we can't stop the bleeding. Next of, will we stop the bleeding? But it's actually worse. And he's having to wrestle with the idea that Rachel might not make it out of this. And of course, there's a newborn baby. We had a seven-year-old daughter, almost eight at the time. And he's having to really wrestle with, am I going to be a single dad? What happens if she doesn't pull out of this? And then I'm going to fast forward to that 2.30. I'm waking up in the hospital room and I'm realizing this must have been really serious. I'm starting to hear the story and they're saying, oh, you're, you're um, cognitive something. Uh, and I said, does that mean that my brain's working correctly? And they said, yes, you're laughing and joking and everything is, you're, you have a sense of humor. And I realized at the moment that they were talking about things that were working well, which meant that there was a possibility that it may not have worked well. They said that there was a, a possibility of having um, damage to my tissues, so heart, lungs, kidney, um, liver problems, brain damage. They were concerned about all of these things because the the DIC was causing micro clots throughout all of the rest of my body, which could have caused severe damage. And as we looked back at the situation, there was this recovery in the hospital. I, I'll just fast forward the story to let you know that I recovered miraculously fast. So within 24 hours of delivering my daughter, I was then back in the recovery room, out of ICU, and then being able to be back with my daughter again. That was amazing and radically, radically, I radically recovered. And so from that story, um, really what happened afterwards was I had had this near-death experience and you always have some kind of this euphoria after having a baby and all of the emotions are very present and you just feel amazing and good. But there was a different feeling because I had just almost died. And that that awareness that life was this beautiful gift that I'd been given, that I was meant to be here, that God was determining and sustaining my life, not just that I was some kind of accident or that... I, it was just random chance that I was here and that I was part of my family, but that I was meant to be here and that I really mattered as a critical piece of my family and taking care of them. And I remember talking to my sister Twyla uh, right after this whole circumstance. And I was actually talking to her from my friend's house because I could not go home after I was finally released from the hospital. You'll have to get the book and hear the rest of the story, but I ended up recovering, but Olivia had some challenges and had to stay for further testing with the car seat because she was so tiny and she wasn't passing this test. We thought that she might have had to go to another hospital or have a car bed instead of a car seat. And because of all of that, we were in the hospital, I think it was about four days. And then Avalyn, so our oldest, got very sick. She had a rotavirus and Lucas was home taking care of her and I could not come home 
with our newborn baby girl when she when we were ready to be discharged from the hospital because it was too risky. Uh, I was in this compromised state of just having recovered from major, major life-threatening condition and a newborn tiny baby that at that time she had dropped under five pounds because they lose birth weight a little bit at first. And because of all of that, we were at a friend's house. I'm trying to tell my family what had happened and share the story. And we, I just remember this feeling that at the time it was going to be a book, but I didn't exactly know how or why or what it would entail and how to go about sharing this story. It was seriously and very specifically a radical, miraculous healing from the Lord. And that enough was enough to write about, but I wasn't sure how this was going to materialize. So the book idea kind of went on the back burner and just we're going to think about it later. And then what happened is we really started looking at our family. So the focus went from how do we share this with everyone to how do we get really tight and super intentional and how do we make changes in our family? Because we started asking certain questions like, what does happen if something happened to us? What if we weren't here and our kids are now seven and a tiny little newborn? How would we make sure that the financial inheritance that they're getting, that we know we had plenty of, well, we had a lot of life insurance at the time, not as much as we could get, but at the time we had a lot of life insurance and it would have paid out and it would have been financially sufficient to take care of our kids. We even had an estate plan and it would have transferred assets and it would have held them and in trust until certain ages and then distributed half at a certain age and half at another age. And we realized we need to add Olivia to our estate plan so that both girls are taken care of. And not only that, but we need to make sure that they're not just given financial assets, but that those financial resources will actually help them to flourish and thrive and will empower them to live the amazing life that God has called them to live and that and that will actually help them to flourish and become creators of wealth, not just use up the wealth or the resources that they are handed from mom and dad. And we just realized that having as much money as possible and even a wonderful estate plan was not enough to accomplish the purposes of parenting our children well if we weren't given the opportunity to walk out our entire life with them? And that was a really, really scary question. But what we did from that point was that we really looked at our estate plan. We worked with our attorney. We really figured out how do we not only pass on financial wealth, but how do we think about these other forms of capital, like Jay Hughes talks about, financial capital plus social capital, spiritual capital, intellectual capital, relationship capital, and human capital, all these con these connecting pieces that make up true wealth and flourishing. And how do we make sure that our kids get that? So we did a lot of work personally on our estate plan and all of the communication surrounding that. We came up with a family guidance system. We came up with love letters to our kids. We then made sure we had the right relationships in place and not only the right relationships that would support our estate plan, but also giving them the communication and tools and communicating everything that they needed in order to be successful in the role if they ever had to step in and act as our proxies or act as us to raise our kids and handle the financial components. 
providing for our children. And so after we did all this work, we stepped back and said, oh my goodness, this can help other people as well. And so I want to share with you um, that this traumatic life event for us actually became the launching pad to tremendous changes in our family. And I would say from my vantage point and looking back at our family before this experience and after has been so radically different that our perspective has changed, our our mission for our family has changed, the way we communicate in our family has changed, the reason why we parent, the the intentionality behind training that we have for our children, what we're teaching them, how we're forming our family and our life and ministry and work all around as much communication and togetherness as possible. It's all stemmed from this experience that I would never have hoped to go through. And I would never hope that anyone experiences anything as desperately challenging and traumatic as we went through, but it was for our good. And so because of our story, we're now able to not only have changed so much in our family, but we've been able to then also create a system and a process to help you become a multi-generational legacy creator. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things um, because I want to make sure that we keep this pretty tight and short today. But what I want to first tell you is that this book, so Seven Generations Legacy, Design a Multi-Generational Legacy of More Than Money, this is available on Amazon. And the link is in the show notes or um, it's in the description of the event that you're watching right now. So you should be able to see that link. And I'm going to tell you that it is available for pre-order right now. Our launch date is on Saturday, December 9th. So just in about four days here. And you can, what's really, really cool. I had no idea that all of this would be possible. And it's amazing how all the pieces come together. But we have it available now in paperback. It's in hardcover. You can also buy it as a Kindle ebook, and you can even buy it as an Audible audiobook. So what's really, really awesome, there's so much that went into this process, uh, but I'm just so, so, so excited to be able to share it all with you. And whatever platform or whatever method of reading you would prefer, you can grab it that way. They're all available on Amazon. And let me just tell you what you're going to get if you purchase during uh, during pre-sales this week. Fritz, thank you for joining us as well. And um, so he said, what's the cost? So on Amazon, I think, so the hardcover is $24.99. The paperback is $14.99. I'm hoping I'm telling you the right amounts. The ebook is $3.99. And I actually have no idea the cost on the audiobook. I'm so sorry about that. But on Amazon, you can go check that out. You can grab any one of those books. So whatever is your best method for getting this content and and changing your family as a result, I'd love for you to get that version. If you like to listen more or you like to um, read along on on your computer or on a Kindle reader, or if you'd like to have a physical copy in your hands, you can highlight and fold over the pages and bookmark the whole thing, whatever is best for you. So during this week, what we're doing is a pre-order special. And so we want to give you tools to not just read the book and get it after that Saturday date. We want to give you tools right away that you can get in your hands and start making a difference in your family. So what we will give you is go ahead and screenshot your purchase wherever, 
however you're purchasing it, just screenshot the picture that shows that you made the purchase and email that over to hello at themoneyadvantage.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at themoneyadvantage.com. And if you send us that email, what we're going to do is we're going to send you out a uh, an email with all of the bonuses and special um, special offer here. So I'm going to tell you what's included. So inside of that special that you're going to get this week when you pre-order the book, there is we're going to give you the audiobook free. So if you want to use this information to get a hardcover or a paperback on Amazon, go ahead and do that. We're going to throw in also the ebook completely free when you pre-order the book right now. And then there's a bunch of bonuses that are included with the book. So there's some uh, mini guides and quick trainings on how to get started with your family guidance system. There's one that is a quick guide on how to get started with estate planning. There is a tool on building resilient relationships in your family with a lot of ideas on communication and really how to think about crafting and building those resilient relationships in your family and with the most important people even building the best relationship with yourself, with God, even with your spouse, because that's the the crux. That's the um, really the linchpin to having a strong legacy is that you need to be able to have a family. And with the family, you have to have that strong relationship with a spouse so that you have this collaboration and cohesiveness that you're on the same mission together and you're you're on the same team. So that tool is in the special bonuses. Let me see what else. Um, We have, um, there's a couple of other bonuses that are included in that that you'll find out about when you pre-order the book. But I want to share with you one very, very special extra bonus. So we had been getting a lot of questions from people over many years. But this idea of saying, how do you train your kids for financial stewardship? And I'm going to back up just a minute because The challenge with a lot of legacy planning is that often people think, well, if I give my kids money, right, that financial reward or that, that money is going to corrupt them or somehow ruin my kids or maybe make them entitled and lazy and spoiled and selfish. Because in our culture, we have this I mean, as much as we're driving to create money and be able to pay the bills and have enough and purchase the things that we want and we desire to have money, we also have a lot of negative thinking about money. And this is something we do confront in the book because the negative thinking about thinking that money is bad or has the power to corrupt causes us to shortcut our ability to really leave the greatest benefit and legacy for our kids because of this. Money has really no power at all. It is not good. It is not bad. It is neutral. It's almost like um, it's a it's a magnifier of your soul is one way that we say it. Or it's kind of like the pressure on the toothpaste tube. The pressure causes whatever's inside to come out. And if what's inside of that tube is good, then it's going to squeeze out good. If, it, if what's inside is bad, it's going to squeeze out bad. Here's how it works. The real issue of leaving a financial inheritance to your kids and having it cause them to rely on that money and defeat their ambition and prevent them from developing themselves and prevent them from becoming contributors to society is not 
the money. The money isn't the cause of those problems. The cause of those problems is actually the character and the stewardship of the children. So if they already have a entitled mindset or that they um, they are already spoiled or they're already having, um, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't think that it's our kids' fault often that they have some of the challenges that we lay on them. It's not that they just, you know, they are inherently creating all this problem, these problems and chaos in the family. It's often that they haven't been trained properly, that they haven't been adequately um, developed, their character, their stewardship, their discipline, their responsibility, their, their perspective, their worldview, their foundation, and the strength of the family, that has not been intentionally developed. And the real place to build your focus and your attention is on how do you develop that? How do you create the stewardship and the responsibility and the character so that not only will they have the mindset to manage and steward resources that are given to them, but they'll think about how to make more with that because they're now a producer, not just a consumer. They're not just thinking about how do I get this money and how do I live as lavishly and luxuriously as possible because that's what a casino millionaire does, the person who wins the lottery. They think, oh, I'm going to use up all this money and my lifestyle is going to be awesome. It's going to make me famous and rich. And that's where it stops. They don't think about how do I use this as seed capital for an additional business or additional five businesses that are then going to produce cash flow that I can give to my kids. So the problem is not the money. The problem really lies in how are we training and equipping our kids with the financial literacy and the stewardship to not only use money well, but also to manage that money, to grow that money, to save that money, to invest that money, and to be wise, not just wise in using what has already been produced, but to use what they receive as seed capital to start new ventures and new endeavors that will bless the world. And so we took that big question, how do I train my kids in financial stewardship? If, if the problem is the lack of financial literacy, then how do I give my kids that financial literacy so that they can handle money well, so that I can trust them with a lot of resources, so that I can think about the inheritance that I leave them will just be an amplifier of the good that they're already on their way to doing and creating. And so we created the five top financial literacy lessons your children need to handle their inheritance well and how to teach them. And we put together this material so that you can have that in your hands and be able to not just think about what do I preach at my kids because we know that that's um, always the best way to communicate anything to them, right? Um, we we don't want to just tell them what they need to know, but how do we walk beside them and help them develop financial skills in all of these areas, in the way that they spend, the way that they save, the way that they um, that the way that they give, the way that they invest money, and the way that they protect money. And so, in those five areas, we have principles that we teach, and then a practical, many practical. I think we have about thirty some practical application ways that you can think about at age-appropriate times in their life to add on 
to the financial literacy that you're giving them, principle-based but action-oriented. So that's usually $249, and we're throwing in that that financial literacy lessons totally free during this week when you pre-order the book. So let me just say that really quickly because I took a long time to say that. When you pre-order the book this week, we're giving you a lot of extra special things, which include the audiobook, the ebook, financial literacy lessons, and all of these extra bonuses that come with the book. And all you need to do to get that is to go ahead and send us an email at hello at themoneyadvantage.com which, with a picture of or a screenshot of your purchase pre-ordering the book. So if you're listening, we'd love to include you in that and be able to make that available to you. So with the time that we have left, I see that we have, what I see is that I see 11 people are joining me live today. Now it could be more than that. And I'm not sure what other platforms there might be that I'm not seeing, but I would love to hear any questions that you have about the book. And I have time to dive into one or two small things and answer any questions that you may have. Otherwise, I'll continue on with what I was planning. But I'd love to hear if you have questions on this topic, really of estate planning, legacy planning. How do you think about money? How do you make sure the inheritance is going to do good for your children? So I'd love to hear if you have any questions and you can just drop those in. I'm watching the um, the chat here. So what I did want to share with you as well is that as we did this work, we realized let, let's think about the main problem with typical legacy and estate planning. The typical problem or the typical way of approaching this is to think about the money first how much am I leaving behind? And then to think about the structure or the legal components, the legal framework around that money. So we think about how do I not pay or how do I minimize and eliminate any unnecessary taxes? Or how do I avoid estate tax when I'm handing down an inheritance? Or what is the are the best assets to have my capital held in when it passes from my hands to my kids. So those are questions that are typically asked and the things that are on many people's minds. And then the next question is usually what legal structure is necessary? So trusts and wills and having a power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney, medical directive, those components, um, and any then um, structures or entities around businesses and investments that you have in order to protect those assets. I'm, I'm thinking of the word asset protection as well that is needed around any of your entities to have that additional legal protection. And so when you think about it just from that perspective, the challenge then can be, Eli's talking in the background again. And Fritz, I see your question here. I'm going to go ahead and come back to that in just a moment. Um, he's asking, how long did it take you to put this book together? I will um, comment on that in just a moment. So the challenge with thinking about just the money first and the structure or the legal planning is that when you stop there, what you have is a legal structure. You have a mechanism, right? You have the physical money that will hand to your children and you have the legal mechanism to provide it to them in the best way possible. But you're just thinking about the tangible, physical nature of your financial legacy. You're just thinking about the money only. 
The problem is that is not all of your legacy. The real legacy that you have to leave is the meaning of that legacy. And I'm going to lean into this just for a minute because any parent who hands down an inheritance to their children, they don't just want to get money to them. If you step behind that question and say, why do I want to leave them capital? What do I want them to do with it? What do I hope it will accomplish in their life? That's the real meaning of your legacy. Maybe it's certain values you want them to embody and exemplify. Maybe it's um, a certain way that you would like that capital to be used. And when you think about why you want to leave a financial inheritance, that question is way more important and way more valuable than what you want to leave behind. See, the money and the mechanism alone answer what you want to leave behind. But the meaning of your legacy is the most important pillar. We talk about the meaning, the mechanism, and the money as three pillars in these in this true legacy, this full legacy that you want to leave to your children and grandchildren and generations in the future. The reason the meaning is so important is it answers the question of why. Why do you want to be a family? What does your family mean? What does it mean that you're leaving behind these resources? And here's what we know. There are families who have successfully passed down generational wealth for generations and generations. We talk about this in the book as well. So you look at families like the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. They have passed on wealth and resources for many generations, some six, some seven generations. And there are a select few families who have done this throughout history. However, most families don't. The reason is what Jay Hughes calls shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's a, um, a hurdle. It's a giant obstacle. It's almost a, a battle in every single wealthy family. And the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves proverb really goes like this. There are three generations usually between the creation of wealth and the ruin of wealth or the complete breakdown and the complete vanishing of family wealth. And what happens is that you have one generation that comes from poverty. That's why it's called shirt sleeves. They come from a place of not having enough and they say, I don't ever want to be in that position. I don't want my family to be in that position again. And they create wealth. So as they create this capital, then they have that first generation was a wealth creator and they thought about how do I serve people? How do I create this business? The problem is they hand that then to the second generation who as as that their children, the children of the wealth creators then are growing up in this environment of plenty and having everything provided to them. And they they begin experiencing that lifestyle and the lifestyle is not the problem, but the problem can be that they come to appreciate and require and depend on that lifestyle. And they see the work that their parents did to create that. But by the third generation, so the grandchildren of the original wealth creators, what happens is by that that grandchild generation, they're used to the experience of that lifestyle. They're completely separate though from the work ethic, the drive, the determination, the the hard charging production that 
started the wealth in the first place. And they end up, the third generation usually within that third generation completely disperses and spends up everything that was created in the first generation. And so we call that the curse of the wealthy. Now, this curse is something that instead of falling prey to that and saying, well, I guess if I'm just going to create wealth in my lifetime and hand it to my kids, I just have to be okay with the fact that they're going to use it however they want to use it and and they may use it poorly and I'm just going to have to be okay with that. Instead, there is a way to develop not only the financial capital, but to develop your family and the strong relationship and the foundation in your family and attend to the family, not just the wealth creation that allows wealth to flow through the next generations. Before, um, well, we need to come back to this idea that if you have just the money and the mechanism, you'll have a great structure, but the structure will never create a strong family. It will never create generational wealth because generational wealth starts in the relationships of the actual family. And when you attend to the family, you're thinking about the why behind your legacy. You're thinking about the meaning of your legacy. And that's why we've, we spend a lot of time and energy focusing on the why or the meaning of your legacy. Because when you add that in, now you have a true inheritance that has that's a gift with spirit. You have stewardship and you have the ability to create a legacy. So I want to, um, there's one piece of passing on family wealth and shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves I wanted to come back to. I lost that train of thought, so I'm going to forget on that one or move on from that one. But um, I'm going to come answer Fritz's question here. How long did it take you to put together this book? That is a very interesting question. I don't actually remember when we started writing. I do know that when I first had the idea that it should be a book, that was about four and a half years ago. Um, We didn't start any kind of writing at all at that time. And I do know that it's been at least, I want to say about three years ago, we started the writing process. And when I say started, that was a really loose term at the time. Um, There was different stages and phases of writing. There was a piece of, um, there was one piece of just putting down some ideas and thinking, well, this is going to somehow come into a framework of a book. Um, And then there was another section of writing that became, let me think about word count and actually putting down words on the page and making sure that I'm pushing this forward towards completion, not just having a great idea, not just having bits and pieces here and there, but really writing to chisel out the next part of the outline and to continue moving forward. And then there was the rearrange everything back and forth a hundred times to make sure that it's in the right order and connect those ideas together. Then we had a very long editing process. Then Lucas said, look, we can't just release and launch a book. We really want to transform lives with this work. And because your legacy, as I'm talking to you today, your family is so important to us that we want to help you really give your best to your kids. I remembered my thoughts and I'm going to write it down so I don't come, don't forget to come back to it. Um, so because this work is so important, we want to not just hand a tool to you that's a book and say, well, that's all we have to offer. We really want to make sure that we can help people at a closer 
more intimate way of helping them. So we developed a coaching program and we realized within that coaching, we really wanted to make sure that there were tools to have a ongoing training mechanism so that we were developing a course as well to go along with it. And there was a workbook. There's all these other components that came into really releasing this book. And so we said, we don't just want to release the book by itself. We want to have all of this support behind it so that anyone who wants to really go deeper with this work can do that and really dig in and not just go through the book and kind of guess on their own in their own space and their own mind and their own home, but they really can have the support of working with us hand in hand to do this work for them. And so we developed all of that out. We worked with some clients through that process. And that also was a while ago. I want to say we first did that about two years ago now. Um, and then we actually pulled the book out of formatting at one point. We edited the book again, ran it through all of the editing process an additional time. So it's been way longer than we expected. Of course, our original timeline, I think we would have released it about two plus years ago. But I am really proud of not just the work that we've done to create this physical product that we will be able to place in your hands, but I am really thankful for not just the book, but all of the work behind it that we're ready to serve you with. Um, Fritz, thank you for your additional questions here. Um, and a legacy with exponential thinking rather than linear thinking is the most effective strategy for your family. Yes. So Fritz, actually, I'm going to come back to that. I think your comment here is what made me think of my additional comment where I was going with um, the Rothschilds, with the um, Rockefellers. You know, there's many families, including the Vanderbilt family, that did not pass on wealth for multiple generations. And I write about this in the book, but there was the original Vanderbilt who created a tremendous amount of wealth, who was one of the wealthiest people in the world at the time. And then the wealth just completely fell apart. And when you look at strong families who stayed together, who have passed on multi-generational wealth, and they still have wealthy people seven generations later in their family, and their family name is still known, not just for previous wealth generations ago, but present wealth amongst many family members. You know what's amazing? They focus on the family. And there was, I think it was the um, Rockefeller family. I'm I'm going to have to go back to the book and make sure that I'm um, saying the right family. But they meet together, I think twice a year, where the whole family is coming together in one room, family meeting style. And they're talking about each family member, how they're thriving, what new projects they have going on, how they can celebrate births and weddings in the family, how they can support and help each other. They're staying together as a family. The family is critical and important, not just the financial capital. Money alone will never last. It'll never hold families together. But money plus the intentionality and the infusion of values and the collective strength of having strong relationships will. There is a verse, and I want to make sure I have the right one. It's in Proverbs. You probably know it by heart, and I just always need the reference. It is... Uh, Still not straight in front of me. A wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And where are... Okay, Proverbs 13, 22. Just had the wrong page. So that is a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Let me tell you about that verse. If you look at what the Bible is saying, Solomon in his wisdom is saying, you, if you're wise, you leave an inheritance to your children's children. That means you are not only getting wealth to your kids, 
but to your grandkids. And how do you get wealth to your grandkids? Well, let me tell you, you may not be in the ability to hand it straight to them. But what you can do is you can get wealth to your kids and you can train them so that train them, develop them, provide them with the foundation, the worldview, the character, the stewardship to train and teach and provide the foundation for their children, who will then provide the foundation to their children. See, our call as parents is not just to live our own lives well and babysit our kids. I love how Jeremy Pryor brings this idea into the forefront. He says, we're not just parenting our kids, we're parenting our grandchildren's parents. Oh my goodness. When you have that kind of long-term thinking in your parenting, you are then thinking, well, how do I raise parents who will know how to train their children? This is not just about a quick, um, you know, slap a bandaid on things, make it feel good, make them never be frustrated, um, make them like me this instant. No, this is really about the kind of call to rise up and be the responsible parent, be the the steward of the resource of our children that God has given us, and be able to parent them so that they can parent well. And as that verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children in order to get wealth to your kids, who will then provide that equipping and financial resources to their children. The only way you can do that is to get wealth through the generations, not to them. And that is a key piece that we bring out in the book, because if you're just thinking about how to hand a pot of money to another person, and that is the end of your mission, well, you can do that, but it may not produce the fruit that we're called to produce. If we instead think about how do we help our kids be stewards so that they can have the money go through them. They're managing, stewarding, growing, investing, amplifying what's been given to them, then they have the tools to train their children to do the same thing. So it's about getting money through money and financial resources and the inheritance and the legacy through the generations. I need to um, have another idea to share really, really quick with you. Why in the world did we call it seven generations? Um, as we were doing a lot of studying and work on this idea, we came across the old Iroquois, uh, tradition that the tribal elders would talk about before any tribal council. And this idea was that they would talk about how to make decisions in light of seven generations ahead. So whatever they were doing today, they wanted it to make sure that it would benefit seven generations in the future. And when I first read that, my first reaction was, well, I don't even know how long that is, right? And my second thought was, well, that's so long I won't be here. So I won't even know those people. And then I started thinking, well, how long, how far back was that for me? Like, who were my seven generations ago grandparents? Do I even know their names? And I'm not going to go into detail, but this has really led us to a tremendous value in our family of honoring our elders and figuring out the lessons that we can lean on and the legacy that they've left, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that we can use as the strength for a legacy and a foundation that we're leaving for our kids and their kids 
and great, 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 great grandchildren who come after us that we won't even meet. And the value of having that long term of a lens is that the greater the lens, the longer term view, the the better decisions you make. And when you think about generations ahead in the future, how could you help your great, great, great grandchildren to maybe not need to start over at the beginning, but instead have generations before them that believed in them enough to build up family capital and generational assets that would set them much further ahead, that would invest in them and allow them the ability to flourish and do more because of that capital, not be a crutch for them to do less. So I'm going to leave you with some of those thoughts here. We've got um, Fritz jumped in as well. What sections of the book are your favorite as the author? Oh my goodness, that is so hard to answer. Uh, I'm going to just say the first thing that comes off the top of my head is in the book, we talk about um, how to write love letters to your kids and that really a piece of that is affirming them and the love that you have for them. And we wrote in the book, the actual prayer that we pray over our kids so that they can have it in the future for generations to come. And it's in the letter that we left for our children, but we wanted to share it with you as well in the book. And that is something that, man, I just, I think about all the time because, or I, I, let me back up. I don't think about it all the time. I, whenever I read it, it makes me really emotional because the way that we wrote the letter was to have a letter that would be the cover page for all of our estate planning documents that when they sit down with an attorney after we've passed away, which we hope is going to be a long time from now, I plan to live to 120, Lord willing, and I want all of my children to live that long, long, long fulfilled life lifespan as well. But whenever that date may be, we want this love letter to be on top. The first thing that they read that will set the tone for everything else in that conversation. Hopefully they've even seen the letter before. Hopefully they, we've had time to explain all the things that are in our estate plan and that they've walked with us in creating a lot of the assets that are even included in that. But we had to start from where we were, which was super young kids that we didn't have the time to express all of this to. And so in this letter, it really sets the tone for helping them understand everything in the estate plan, why we did it, and all of the words are completely spelled out starting with this love letter. So that's my favorite part. Um, Brain Bites Academy, inspiring STEM success stories. I would love to know more about what you do. That's awesome. Excuse me. Says congratulations. Aaron and Bridget Douglas said just emailed a screenshot of Amazon purchase. Awesome. Thank you so much. We look forward to that. And um, so anyone else who wants to do that, go ahead and jump in, whether you're listening live or whether you're catching this live stream on the podcast or a couple days later, that offer is valid until the the clock strikes midnight on December 8th, Friday night. So let me say till the clock is says 11.59 p.m. on de- Friday, December 8th, right before 12 o'clock a.m. midnight on the 9th. So the offer is valid during that time. We've got um, Becca Wilhite, thank you for joining in. She said that verse used to be so intimidating to me. Learning about IBC has made it doable. Yes, 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 yes. And Becca, 
is one of our, uh, man, I just love you, Becca. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, and just you're a, a giant amount of wisdom. And I love the relationship that we have with you on our team as well. And so um, that verse, yes, has given me as well the idea and the tools. I'll just tie this into IBC for a second. Thank you for bringing that up because usually we're talking about infinite banking on this show. And so if you are a long-term listener, you probably have heard us talk about infinite banking more than any other topic. And that idea of infinite banking is using specially designed whole life insurance to build up cash value. Now that cash value is something you can access and use during your lifetime. The death benefit then pays to your heirs or your children. You can, and we have done in our planning, use life insurance as a foundation for our financial planning that is creating generational wealth because not only have we created these policies and this financial bank or family banking system in our family, we're then using that capital to be able to, as our kids get older and have the need for additional financial capital to borrow from our family banking system and be able to use that seed capital. We call it the training wheels or the the train tracks that they can start developing this financial stewardship. So it's one of the tools in that training. But we also have then specified in our documents what we hope that they would do with the death benefit proceeds when they do get them. Hopefully, again, um, you know, our kids are about 25 and 30 years behind us. So by the time they're about 90 years old, we hope that that's when they're that's when we hope they're getting our life insurance proceeds. Um, yes. So Lucas jumps in uh, family banking. Yes. So that is using family banking for or using infinite banking to do family banking. And we actually expound on that in the book as well, which is this idea of not just having a life insurance policy, but using that capital that you're building in a family banking system, which could be whole life insurance or could be any other tool to have capital that you can, that your kids can request loans from the family, that you're vetting those loans, that you have a way to provide capital even when maybe they wouldn't qualify for a loan from a bank, maybe they haven't proven themselves or don't have a track record yet, but you're making them go through the process. So they're applying. They're telling you what they're going to use it for. They're presenting a business plan. They are um, then in a position where they're getting access to capital, but there's accountability where they have to repay that as a loan. So it's a replenishing tool for creating perpetual wealth. And that's how you can use this capital that you have, not just to give gifts to your children, but you can instead have this two-way street where this money has accountability that is better for them. It's better for building mentoring relationships. It's better for investing in your kids, and it's better for calling them to become those stewards and wealth creators. Um, so man, we've got a lot of comments. This is awesome. So back to um Ingemar Anderson, this is on LinkedIn. Here's another view on the topic of multi of generational wealth. Yes, wealth of generations, transi transitioning from nation-based capitalism to human-centered capitalism and a shared economy. I look forward to checking that out. Um, thank you, Ingemar. I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly. And then Fritz, I think Santa needs some of these books to distribute. Santa took a vacation over COVID. He might be back now. So um, yes, I I let me just say, Fritz, to that point that we are we wanted to make this book available by christmas time and so you can get this book you can pre-order it now and it will be delivered to you in time for christmas and um just something that is on my mind 
as a as really a gift that will keep on giving this tool will is not something maybe that you would hand this book to your kids i mean if they're older and they're their parents themselves or their adults maybe so but this book will help you become the the greatest legacy creator in your family that you possibly could and it is going to be the best way that you can have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in the future look back and thank you for the work that you did and so i would say it's absolutely a fabulous tool for you to get in your hands to buy yourself your own Christmas present. And it will not only bless you, it will allow you to be a tremendous blessing to your family for generations to come. And um, Lucas jumps in as well. Lucas is my husband. He couldn't jump on this stream today. So um, thank you for being in the, for watching in the background here. So he says family banking mini course is coming. So yes. All right. We've got a lot of tools available. And I will say that we've had so much fun creating the course and a bunch of mini courses that will be available to you. All, all, all of this and a lot of this is also going to be released in the coming weeks. And I'll just say in the coming weeks. So keep watching because we'll let you know as more of these tools are available. But we have uh, in the past, we've done a course on infinite banking, which is to answer a lot of questions on infinite banking. But we've expanded this to really focus in on family banking, and we will have a mini course that will be available soon that will allow you to really think about how to, excuse me, do family banking in your family and be that conduit of wealth creation and creating perpetual wealth for generations to come and really thinking about how do you have capital available for investing in your family? How do you have this tool for teaching financial stewardship? And how do you ensure that you're giving your gifts in a way to family that is going to produce fruit in their lives and really have the spirit infused into that gift and not just um, a one-way street that they can do whatever they want with and then and then can end up leading to the kind of financial problems in people that we don't want, that we want to avoid, the entitlement and the lack of accountability and things like that. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap here. This has been an extra long show. Um, Eli did not join me visually today. He's sitting on the floor, so I'm sure you heard him throughout the show. Thank you so much for joining with me on this show today. Let me see if I missed anything. Oh, let me tell you this. Um, I almost forgot. We actually, so because of you, I just want to say thank you. And I totally meant to do this at the beginning. So thank you to all of you who have already pre-ordered the book. So on Amazon, we've already hit um, number one new release with our ebook, which I'm trying to understand all the pre-sales process. Some things are available for pre-sale and some are actually just sending out right now. So the ebook is just sending right now. We've already hit um, number one new release in a couple of categories with that. And um, also we were very high up on the bestseller list. I think number six or maybe higher. I'm not sure it fluctuates throughout the day even. So um, thank you to you for already making that just a huge win. And what is really awesome about that is that the more people who purchase and then we'll ask, um, you'll have the opportunity to review as you can with any Amazon purchase. You can review, but only after the product is live. So that'll be after the, on the ninth or after. When Amazon sees a lot of activity for a product, then they are more likely to present it to people who are looking for that sort of thing. So 
that moves it up in their algorithm. And then somebody searching for anything like stewardship or wealth creation or legacy or inheritance or estate planning, then those people would be more likely to be presented with seven generations legacy. So um, all of your help is making that possible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for joining me on the live stream today. This has been really fun. Um, even though it was just me talking to you, thank you for all the comments and for all the love that you're sharing. And I think that I have answered everything that I planned. Um, if you missed the link to purchase, um, I'm going to try to pop it into the live feed here because I have it and I want to make sure that you get that. Um, in addition, here, let me go ahead. Okay, there's the link. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, it did not go there, but I did. I was able to get through our technology. The link to purchase the book is should have sent out to Facebook and YouTube. So go ahead and buy the book there if you want to pre-order. And then don't forget that step two, which is send a screenshot of your purchase to hello at themoneyadvantage.com. And we'll send you out all of the bonuses that we've discussed. And I think that's everything I wanted to share with you. Um, did I read any section of the book while your baby was in your womb? Fritz asks. Fritz, you have the best questions. Um, uh, let's see. Read out loud? I don't know. I don't think so. I did read the audiobook um, when he was pretty young, but he was not with me in the studio to do that recording. So um, no, maybe he needs to hear this audiobook in his ears. So thank you for sharing that. Um, also, I'll say if you want to just go to Amazon, you should be able to search Seven Generations Legacy and it should bring up the book if for any reason it doesn't bring it up in the search terms and search field. If you just go to Amazon and search that, you can put in Seven Generations Legacy, Rachel Marshall, and that should come up if you do it that way. So um, I just want to say huge thanks to a gigantic number of people who have helped me with the book. And um, those are all in the book as well. But my family, most of all, Lucas, for the just tremendous help with editing and thinking through all of the pieces of the book and supporting me through the writing process that was a lot, um, a lot to really think through. And then my family, who we dedicated the book to, our parents, um, just anyone who's shared thoughts and ideas, people that we've learned from, we've listed probably, I have not counted them, probably like 200 people in our acknowledgements of the book as well. So um, I'll be reaching out to you to let you know that you were a part of creating this story and making it possible to share with the world. So thank you so much for being with us today. In closing, I'll say this. Please remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. We'll see you next time. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside.